Give in to your hates. I shouldn't. Feel the hate flow through you. Oh, I do. <laughs> we haven't I even do. started yet. I do, Matt. Don't worry. You're listening to the 2M Football Show with Mike and Matt. Hello, everybody. It's the 2M Football Show once again with me, Matt, and my good buddy. Oh, we're good buddies now. That's nice to hear. Well, but football yeah. hasn't officially started yet, so we're still on speaking terms. True. We'll see if that's true after this episode. Um, but yeah, and, and here I am as well, Mike. So what's new, Mike? Oh, you know, same old, same old. Living in a self-quarantine type of situation here. Well, I don't get that luxury. Unlike you, I have to actually go to work. I take my work with me wherever I go. Ooh, aren't we fancy? <laughs> and, and speaking of work, I decided, you know what, Mike? I, I'm going to take the reins on this question of the day again. Oh, good, because I have no ideas. Um, well, that's because you don't do your homework and you haven't left, you know, you leave your week notes for today's topic, sit for three weeks on end and not do anything about it. I know the way you operate. Didn't you just admit to me before we started recording that you did the exact same thing? You have no proof of anything. But no, in, in all, in all actuality, I have, I have a question to pose to you. You know, you, we made we made notion that football is, a, we call it a part-time job. In reality, it's a full-time, second-time job. But what is it you actually do for a living besides nothing? <laughs> Very good question. Tell um, the fans, like, who you are. What do you, what do you do for work outside of hours upon hours of football study? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, let me just say first that sometimes the hours of football study do overlap time when I'm technically supposed to be at my day job. <gasps> Hopefully uh, no one I work with listens to this podcast. I don't think anyone listens to our podcast, but proceed. Yeah, that's a fair point. Very good point. Um, but, but yeah, when I'm not researching football stuff or dealing with kids, which is something else we can get into at a later time, um, I work as a computer programmer for my day job. No way. Yeah, I know this is shocking news to you as well, Matt. Yeah, I had no idea what my okay friend of 11 years has does with his life. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I've been pretty fortunate to be able to work from home essentially full time ever since the whole pandemic began. And so uh, that means typically I've got my, my main monitor where I'm doing work stuff. And then my side monitor where I'm watching old football games. <laughs> so dual tasking. I like it. Yep. Yep. Like they say, it's not true multitasking because I'm either focused on one or the other at any given moment. And I'm not going to say which is uh, which <laughs> more of my attention. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, we'll leave that part untouched. Um, but that, that's really cool. Yeah. I've always, I've always been interested in what you do and I think it's a really cool job. It's a, you know, it's a paying job at least, which, you know, there's a lot of people that don't have that. And I have to say your job overall though is, is easier than mine, but that's for another day. I couldn't do your job though. I will fully hands down. That'll be the first thing I meant is I could not do your job. I don't think I could do yours either. So, which we'll get into again at another day. 
But what, what the fans really are here for is our divisional winner picks as well as our, divi- our conference postseason sleepers. Yeah, like we uh, teased, I think, in our pilot episode, we've spent some time in the last few episodes talking about specific players that we're interested in for this season. Uh, but now we're going to take kind of a step back and take a larger view at the NFL landscape as a whole. And just go through division by division, uh, make our picks, do a very brief recap of last year, and just talk about how we think this season's going to shape out. Pretty much we're just going to tap on real quick the the standings that they ended last year and elect our, our who we think is going to win in the 2020 and then decide who – if we're if we disagree, we'll debate why real quick. But uh, the meat of this is going to actually be our sleeper picks. I think that's what you and I have been excited for. Yeah, absolutely. That's where I, the most research has gone. Yeah, we'll go with the word research. Some people would disclose this is not research, but it is. So what what conference are we kicking off with this time, Mike? Uh, we went NFC first for our players, so let's let's go. Let's start in the AFC. All right, and as you know, we're going to kick it off in the AFC North. The last year's standings, the 2019 season, ended as the following: Baltimore up top with a 14 and two record, Pittsburgh with an eight and eight, Cleveland in third with six and ten, and Cincinnati with the Baltimore flip of two and fourteen. And this is one of the few maybe more than half of them that I think you and I are both on the same page. So on the count of three, we're going to go three, two, one, and then we're going to both say the name of our division pick. Are you ready? This is going to work out great with the internet lag, but yes, I'm ready. Oh, can, all right. Well, yeah, what could possibly go on? Ready? Three, two, one, Baltimore. Ravens. It's funny how it lagged on my side. Cause I said Baltimore and then Ravens came in. So it actually worked Perfect. out really well. Well, hopefully that's what gets recorded. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, that, that's a no-brainer. I mean, Pittsburgh, we should see a bounce back in Cleveland. Maybe Cincinnati make the division a bit tighter, but there's a, there's a clear front-runner here. Yeah, definitely. And I'd argue that the Ravens got even better this offseason. I don't see anyone slowing down Lamar Jackson in a significant way, and they've got a great defense on the other side of the ball as well. Uh, last year, they were actually third in the league in points allowed per game at 17.6. And they bring back almost all of their starters, in addition to adding uh, the, the exciting rookie linebacker, Patrick Queen, who we highlighted in our AFC Prove-It players. And like you mentioned, Pittsburgh, uh, they should be – it was pretty impressive that they got to 8-8, eight and eight, given that Roethlisberger went out week one with that elbow injury and never came back. It's amazing that they just went 8-8 eight and eight under, like, really subpar quarterback play in general. Yeah, yeah exactly. And so – Big Ben will be back, and I do think they're going to be better. They traded for Minka Fitzpatrick halfway through the season, and he really turned that defense around in a big way. But that, all that said, still taking Baltimore to win. And you mentioned Cleveland. Yeah, they've, they're kind of in the middle of transition right now, new coaching staff, and they'll be better than last year. Um, but I don't think they're going to be challenging for the division title. And, yeah, you mentioned the Bengals, too. They, they have a lot of exciting young players. I did. I mentioned all the teams in the AFC North. All four of them. I'm proud of you. You know what? I patted myself on the back. <laughs> but yeah, we're in agreement. 
that Baltimore is going to top this division. Now flipping the compass, we're going to go drop down to the south, which were the Texans who finished at 10 and 6. Tennessee Titans finished at 9 and 7. The Colts at 7 and 9. And Jacksonville rounded them out at a 6 and 10 record. Mike, the Texans took the south last year. Will they, rec- will, will they continue to keep their throne? They will not, if I know what I'm Ooh. talking about. Well, that's iffy, but what's weird is I also elected them not to take it, but I'm curious to think who will. I think we may still not have the same answer because I am picking the Indianapolis Colts to win this division in 2020. Really? Yep, who you got? Jacksonville? As much as I I believe in Minshew Magic, no, I actually selected the Titans to take the division. Yeah, I thought you might. And I, I wrote here, I do have this written down, I'll screenshot it and post it, that this is the toughest call, I think, of any two teams. And I did say between Colts and the Titans. I have to say, if there was another, well, I don't know, Indy's going to definitely improve and probably flip those numbers around. But it's going to be interesting to see what Bill O'Brien does with the Texans now that you know they're down their star receiver. But they do have David Johnson. Right. Um, Will Fuller, Randall Cobb. I don't know. It's like I definitely see them taking a step back, but the question becomes what is the 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 larger game afoot for the Texans? Right, so yeah. and with the way Tennessee tromped through the postseason, it's hard to think and they kept most of that team intact. It's hard pressed to say that the Titans aren't gonna just rip this division apart again. Maybe with the Texans record of ten and six, but you can't beat what they did. Yeah, I definitely see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. And uh, like we talked, we've talked about this, I feel like numerous times, but the Titans have a a really tough formula to crack on offense because they're so good at what they do. The thing I like about the Colts, though, is that they went seven and nine. That was with their starting quarterback of Andrew Luck retiring like a week before the season started. And they turned to Jacoby Brissett. I wrote wrote here Jacoby Brisket, and (laughs) it was going to be a joke. Anyway. (laughs) <laughs> I like how you laughed at the joke that you didn't say. Well, because I, the, I never, it's all it's a whole thing. I thought I saved myself from making a mistake from what I wrote, but I was like, oh, wait, no, that's what I was going to say because it was a joke, but I didn't make it. And now it, this is where we are. <laughs> but I think it's so impressive that they had that 7-9 to nine season given the quarterback situation. Not that Brissett's bad, but just that he was not expecting to be the starter and they didn't have their offensive scheme set up for him to be the starter. Uh, as opposed to this, and they still won seven and nine, as opposed to this year bringing in Phillip Rivers. Uh, they have the best offensive line in the league. And weirdly enough, I think they're going to have a similar style to what Tennessee was so good at doing last year is that they, they want to run the ball first and use that to set up the pass. Well, that's and, because they have no wide receivers outside of T.Y. Hilton. You're right. Yeah, they have Hilton and a bunch of unproven rookies they did draft Michael Pittman and then they've got Paris Campbell behind him who was a rookie last year so a bunch of young guys who haven't they haven't done anything in the league yet Um, and Tennessee is sort of similar they've got AJ Brown we know he's a monster he's a stud oh yeah and they but behind him you know who they got so I view them as very similar so I, I feel like it might come down to Rivers versus Tannehill and in that matchup I like Rivers better Interesting. 
I did not expect that. I honestly thought you were going to take the Texans to take the division despite everything, just because they always seem, you know, Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Watson magic. It's weird to say because they've got J.J. Watt, but I think the Texans actually have the most questionable defense of the three teams that we've highlighted here. What what happened to Jacksonville? Oh, I said of the three. Oh, well, because they're not even in the division. uh, You were going to say they're not even in the division. I was going to say discussion. Uh-huh. <laughs> good save. Good save. Thanks. This is interesting. I think it's going to be tight. Like you, I think you said earlier, I, I do think the winner of this division will be 10 and six, nine and seven, not because they're not a good team, but just because it's going to be a war of attrition between this whole division. Absolutely. It's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch. I don't think there's a single team overall. That's like, not going to make this interesting, or maybe it's because we've had no like off season preseason. We're like desperate for football. Yeah. Flipping it on over to the side of the sunrise, the AFC East, of course, go figure. New England takes the top again at 12 and four Buffalo stampedes behind it. What? This is last year you're talking about, right? Correct. Yes. Got it. Buffalo stampedes with a pretty good 10 and six. The Jets are flying low at a seven and nine, and the Dolphins kind of drowned this one with five and eleven. That was good. Did you come up with those beforehand, or is that? I actually just made those off the top of my head. I am impressed. It's those improv skills that I talk to myself at work all day long. (laughs) Um, and I don't know if you're going to be surprised by this one, but I do not have New England as my division winner. I too do not have New England winning. Okay, this one I think we might agree on then. I think we do. It's not Miami. Nope. We know it's not the Jets. The Jets are going to continue to fly low this year. It is going to be the Buffalo Bills who stampede to victory in the AFC East. I'm right with you. I actually had the Patriots, so I went through my notes one more time today when I was supposed to be working. Uh, <laughs> And I had the Patriots, but I had started this list before they started their players started opting out and to due to COVID-19 concerns. And so just here's a quick hitters of the players that will not be playing for them this year. Just the main ones, I guess. But Dante Hightower is probably the highest profile one. He's a linebacker and one of their core defensive leaders. He's been with the team a long time and the rest of the linebacking position around him was already kind of set for a major overhaul this year, just based on players departing in the off season. So he, his, they're really going to feel that loss. Um, and the other main piece on their defense is Patrick Chung, who's a safety and another veteran player. And he's been with the team since 2014. So they're going to really miss some of their defensive leadership. And if you remember back to last year, the offense wasn't as good as it had been in years past. And it was really the defense that, kind of carried this new England team Mm -hmm. and I see them taking a big step back this year because of some of the the losses that uh, just from normal off season stuff. And then from players opting out for the 2020 to me, this one was harder than your struggle with the last division, because to me, it's going to come to all down to cam Newton. Yeah. If Newton stays healthy and we see him in the super bowl MP MVP performance. I think New England has a shot. Yeah, hard to count them out with a with a healthy Cam Newton. But if Cam gets hurt or if he's only a shadow of him of his former self in this new system, 
I just see the continuity in Buffalo being the one that claims the victory here. Yeah, I agree with that in, in continuity, but they also added some pieces that I think are going to be really important additions in the passing on offense in the passing game. They traded uh, for Stefan Diggs, wide receiver from the Vikings. He's another dynamic deep threat for Josh Allen. Uh, and they also brought in the ball. What's that? As long as he's accurate. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a little hit or miss. I say uh, it every time we bring up his name. I know. I know it's getting kind of annoying. Your face uh, is annoying. <laughs> good thing we don't have video on. I'm watching you right now. We just make sure. Yep. Video is off. Okay. <laughs> and then on the defensive side of the ball, another one of my proven players uh, for the AFC, they brought in Josh Norman as cornerback and he'll play across from Tredavious White. So these two teams last year actually had the first and second best defenses in the year or in the league on a points per game basis, Pat, the Patriots being number one, Bills being number two. And in my estimate, the Bills have improved where the Patriots will most likely decline. And that's um, that's sort of what I'm basing it on. But don't you think Belichick has that fine opportunity to prove that it wasn't Brady that made the team great? It was the mastermind of it all, Belichick? Yeah, uh, and if you believe reports, that is something that's important to him. And so you, it's not going to be a question of motivation. I think it's just a question of personnel. And I think the Bills are have the more talented roster right now. Wonderful. I like it. And finally, the set and sun of the AFC's 2019 season sets in the West with the AFC West. The Chiefs strode their way to a 12-4. and Denver tied with the new Las Vegas Raiders, both at 7-9. and And the Chargers hung in there, albeit at a measly five and 11. Yep. So you got the chiefs repeating as division champs. I mean, is there any other clear cut winner? Nope. I do have a fun fact about the AFC West. Ooh, that sounds fun. I need some cool sound effect. (laughs) My sleeper pick for the AFC comes from the AFC West. Very interesting because so does mine. I think we know who each other's is. And they're not the same team. Should we try the one, two, three again and see what we got? Okay, sure. What could possibly go wrong? All right, ready? So it's going to be three, two, one, and then we're going to say it. Are you with me? Are you watching? I'm with you. I'm watching. I'm looking right into your eyes. Okay, well, (laughs) what are they? (laughs) Three, two, one, Denver. Chargers. No. The Denver Chargers. What? There's no way you have the... Okay. Just wait. I'll make the case. You can go first. You want me to make the case? Okay. I elected Denver because of the changes that happened towards the end of last season. Out of their last five games, they won four of the five with a young quarterback under center. You know his name? I believe is a guy by the name of Drew Locke. Yes. And it's not necessarily that luck is this, you know, star stud appeal. He doesn't have a lot of glit and glamour, but I think it's the pieces they put around him that, that really make this, make this work. And it started with them bringing in Pat Shermer as their offensive coordinator. 
They tend to run a West Coast type spread offense, which means they use the pass to set up the run. Most plays with the West Coast offense occur within 15 yards of the line of scrimmage, which which works well to Locke's skill set. Because in college, his yards per attempt average around eight yards per attempt, which means the receivers were responsible for yards after the catch. And I think that bodes well for the fact of Noah Fant, Jerry Judy, and of course, the two-headed attack in the backfield, Melvin Gordon, and... Come on, come on. Philip Lindsay. There you go. I did my homework, too. Not to mention, they're backed up by that defense. Uh-huh. Von Miller, Bradley Chubb. They have Bryce Callahan, A.J. Boye, Alexander Johnson. I mean, um, but I they have a top 10 defense sitting right there that will definitely take some pressure off of this offense. I have The only questions I have really about it is that offensive line. Um, they have a new center. Lloyd Cushenberry III was drafted. You know, in terms of wide receiver depth, they have Cortland Sutton, Jerry yeah. Judy, and really not a lot behind it, but you do have that studded tight end and Noah Fant, as well as Nick Vanette that they picked up from Pittsburgh. And with this, with this West Coast-type offense, I think we'll see a bit more out of Vanette and definitely see a lot more out of Fant, who's got to be a top-10 tight end this year. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. He was one of my uh, picks from this division for the the prove it players. So I I agree with you on Noah Fant and a lot of what you said. And then I think like it's just there's a lot of pressure on Locke to perform. But Shermer has a history of developing quarterbacks. Remember, this was the guy who under Ben McAdoo and in New York wrote up a game plan for Eli Manning, who then got benched for Daniel Jones, who then got benched for Eli Manning. And they still managed to win, albeit only a few games, win games. Okay. And that is why Denver is my sleeper pick. Thank you. Good night. Uh, I don't mind it. I do have, yeah, I mean, I like Denver. And honestly, before I get into my sleeper pick, just really quick on the Raiders. I actually wrote in my notes here, this is a very feisty division. I think every team is intrigued. going to be scrappy. Yeah, because the Raiders also have some exciting young players on offense. They drafted Josh Jacobs in the first round last year. Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs. Wide receiver, their first round pick this year, who I believe was your proven player, right? Which one? Henry Ruggs. Yes. Oh, I'm really excited about Ruggs. Yeah. Me too. And then outside of rugs, they already not as excited he, as me. He joined. Okay, you can have it. Um, he joins a, a pass catching group of Hunter Renfro and God, what did I write? Only last names. Waller, 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 Darren Waller, who were very productive in the short passing game last year. A pretty solid O line in Vegas, and uh, for them, it's all on Derek Carr. I think that's what. I think everyone agrees with that pretty much. They're all, the team is in place around him for them to be competitive, but it's going to come down to Carr. Uh, spoiler alert, I don't think he's going to improve his play significantly enough to to surpass. I guess it wouldn't be surpassing because they were better than them last year. But I think the Chargers will surpass the Raiders and the Broncos to take second place in this division and sneak into the playoffs as a wild card. So 
Yeah, the bad first. Obviously, they went 5-11 and 11 last year. Not a very good record. I don't know. It depends if the Chargers can close out the fourth quarter. Let me let me get there. If, no. you, if you take out the one game where they really got blown out last season, they lost by an average of 5.6 points in each of their losses, which is less than a touchdown, obviously. That's a field goal and a safety. Well, that was to leave you down by 0.6. Well, if you figure out how to get half a point in a football, <laughs> I'll hand you the win now. Um, but then just looking at all of their 11 losses, nine out of those 11 were by seven points or fewer. So, yeah, they lost most. Oh, like a touchdown as if they could do a game-winning drive. Yeah, if only they could have done that. And, in the fourth quarter. And, yep. We were uh, beating around the bush a bit. But, yeah, these close games always – or often swing one way or the other based on a turnover. And Phillip Rivers, the Chargers quarterback from last year, threw 20 interceptions last year, which was the second most in his whole career. And he also had the lowest QB rating of his career, while also throwing the fewest touchdowns with only 23 since the 2007 season. So 13 years ago was the last time he threw that few touchdown passes. And so the Chargers decided to let Rivers walk this past offseason, and they brought in Tyrod Taylor uh, through free agency, and they also drafted Justin Herbert in this year's draft. How funny would it have been if Rivers went to the Giants? That would have been funny. I would have laughed. That would have came full circle. Sorry, that thought just popped into my head of how how that draft all went down. You want to recap that really quick? So if I'm not mistaken, the way it was... It was the giant. Was it the Giants who drafted Rivers and then traded for Eli with the Chargers at the time because they were drafted on the opposite teams? Yep. And I, and I thought they traded the players. It wasn't like a move up in the draft, like all oh, the Chargers are going to take Eli, and then they drafted up and took Rivers. No, I think they drafted the yep. opposite players and then switched them, like traded them. Was it within like a week? Yeah, I don't remember uh, the timing exactly, but yeah, he was their fourth overall pick uh, by the Giants. Uh, just look at what happened to their careers. Like, can you imagine if they had been been switched? Like, it's just funny to think. Like, and then it would be full circle if Rivers had, for some weird reason, gone to the Giants anyway. Mm-hmm. Just seventeen years later, or whatever it would be. <laughs> Yeah, no, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. It just that just popped in my head. I'm like, wow, he got traded, and what what would have happened? Like, I'm, yeah. I want I want to be in Rivers's brain if that would have happened. It was a really unique situation. You don't really see that happen very much. I don't know if there's even a, a, another occurrence of that—a top five pick getting traded immediately. But back to their current quarterback situation. Uh, Terod Taylor is the presumed week one starter while Herbert develops a bit, especially with no offseason. And Taylor has never thrown more than six interceptions in a season. And he brings a mobility to his game that Rivers never had. And that should help both the run and the passing game. Okay, Uh, okay. I'm following you. I'm following you. So in theory, they get into these fourth quarter close game situations. Hopefully Taylor won't make the same amount of mistakes that Rivers did in these situations. But I really think the defense is going to be the focus of this team. They Even last year, when they were 5-11, and 11, they had the sixth best defense in yards per game allowed. And that was without their Pro Bowl safety, Derwin James. He's back this year. And so they'll get a full season of him, presumably. 
they added actually former Bronco Chris Harris to pair with Casey Hayward. So they've got a really great combination of two corners yep. by the safety in James. Um, we've been talking a lot about Joey Bosa because of this, this fantasy, this IDP league uh, fantasy football draft we're doing together. We know how good Joey Bosa is and across from him is Melvin Ingram. So I guess I would say as a pair, they're a little, they're below the Von Miller, Bradley Chubb pair, but it's still a good pass rushing combination. They finished last place in the division in 2019. So that means they'll have an easier schedule this year compared to Denver who finished second because they get to play all the other fourth place finishers. I think you mentioned the O-line for Denver too. That's a, that is the one biggest weakness of the Chargers mm-hmm. as well. And that's been true for a while. They haven't had a good offensive line. But I'm hoping that Terod Taylor's mobility, as well as Austin Eckler, they're starting running back this year now that Melvin Gordon is gone. I think my favorite run. running back in the league right now. <laughs> I'm excited about what he can do. Um, but, yeah, I'm hoping what his speed and the way he can work out in space – will help mitigate some of these offensive line issues. And just as we've been talking about it, I realized that there's Melvin Gordon was on the chargers last year. He's on the Broncos this year. Chris Harris was on the Broncos last year. He's on the chargers this year. Oh crap. I didn't even think about that. It's kind of funny. Tell you what, I know we've talked a little bit about something similar to this before we clicked the record button, but uh-huh. I'm altering it. Okay. What you got? I'm willing to bet you Denver finishes higher in the division than the Chargers. You're willing to bet me a face full of jello? I am willing to lay down jello bet on the line. I'm buying time for something here. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. You're going to love this. You're going to love this. Oh, you're not going to love this part. Oh, hold you're on. Throwing down the jello gauntlet. What would that sound like? Probably you like a splat. <laughs> I'm trying to I had a soundboard queued up and now it's not working so yeah bring it alright I like it this is a big moment for the show I accept your jello bet challenge so for to recap this is the way this bet works guys since this is the first one of the year with hopefully more to come mm-hmm. when Mike and I feel that our opinions on a situation differ strong enough more than the average difference there is a jello bet placed, which means the loser will have to smash their face into a bowl or some sort of container of jello. Flavor is picked by the winner, and it is recorded and will be posted on all of our social media and actually thrown on our YouTube channel for people to rewatch and enjoy. So, in this case, if Denver finishes ahead, of the Chargers, I win. But if the Chargers finish ahead of the Broncos, Mike wins. And if there's a tie? Uh, well, we'll go by the official standings. Okay, that's how we'll play Because I just realized, too, I didn't think about a tie given the fact that Denver and Las Vegas were both 7-9. and nine. Well, if they tie, then it goes to uh, the inter- interdivision record. Correct. So, okay. So we'll just, we'll, we'll go by official standing rules. Cool. Thanks for explaining that. (laughs) Anyway, I accept. 
Done deal. I'm going to put it on my whiteboard while you're talking about the NFC division, since you have the notes too. I'm getting farther away, so just keep Where's going. Where's Matt going? Okay, yeah, so that wraps up the AFC. I'm right here. Switching over to the NFC now, starting in the north once again. We have the Packers, Lions, Vikings, and Bears. And last season, the Packers topped the division at 13-3. and Vikings came in second at 10-6. and Bears were third at eight and eight, and the Lions brought up the rear at three and 12 and one. They had a tie. And now, Matt, are you back at the microphone? Sure, I'm right here. All right, I'll make my pick first then. I am picking the Packers to repeat as division champions. How about you, Matt? As am I. I am too. I am here. I am present. Cool. Um, I think they're going to get, I think the division is going to get a lot tougher. Um, but I still think Green Bay is going to take it. I think Minnesota is going to put up a hell of a fight. I think Chicago may actually have a bounce back year and finish and probably end another win in the win column. Um, and, of course, because we're in the NFC North, we just got to crap all over Detroit whenever chance we get. But I think yeah, they'll improve over a 3-12, and 12, but I don't think just there yet to take the division. Yeah. Definitely agree with all all that. Yeah, I think I would actually put them in the same exact order uh, this season. But I would change Green Bay. Let's say another thirteen and three. I'd say Minnesota eleven and five, Chicago ten and six, and Detroit would probably be eight and eight. Interesting. Okay, I would be a little bit lower on, on the Bears and Lions, but I, I'm I'm fine with the order. Uh, the Packers, just really quickly, because I took the time to write these notes. Head coach Matt and the Packers GM uh, Brian Gutkunst in year two. They've really solidified this new identity of defense plus run game. It's not Aaron Rodgers slinging around the yard for 500 yards and five touchdowns every week anymore. He know Brett Favre. Well, he's not because he doesn't also throw five picks. <laughs> now that's Jameis Winston. <laughs> I don't want to have any more Jameis Winston discussions with you. Do you so, want me to break taste them hill into this? You better not. I will kill you. (laughs) Anyway, so they had the best, uh, ninth best defense in the league last year on points per game. Top half of the league in points scored. Um, As big a change as this is for Rodgers, it clearly worked out for the team. They were 13-3. and Um, Alan Lazard becomes a full-time player this year uh, across from Devontae Adams, which I'm excited for. And they have the fourth best offensive line per uh, pro football focus in their offensive line rankings. So there's no reason they shouldn't be able to be that kind of run-first team again that they want to. And just really quick in the rest of the division, I think we both agree we don't really see anyone else making a strong push. The Bears should be good on defense again, but they don't even know who their QB is right now. And the, <laughs> the Lions get Stafford back from a from a back injury, and they should be good on offense, but they didn't add too much to the defense that was the seventh worst in the league last year. Except for Akuna Matata. And the Vikings will be fine again. Second place. Good enough for second place. You know what? what, Just to to take just another couple of seconds on the north here. I never really put in a thought until I really looked at Kirk Cousins, just how consistent he is. Like, I feel like Minnesota should be lucky to have him. He's a good quarterback, yeah. Uh, like, he's not flashy. He's not fancy. I would say he's almost like a field general. He gets the job done. He manages it well. But, I mean, 
he's the reason Minnesota's in the contention. They've always been good on defense, but they've never really had since Bridgewater probably had a good quarterback. Yeah, I'd say Cousins is like the perfect game manager. And a lot of a lot of times that's used as a bad thing, but I don't think it is in his case. When you have a good defense, it's not because that's what you need. You need someone to keep you moving but managing the clock. Yep. When you're always behind, you can't function on that. Cool. So I think that's it for the North. Uh, going down South, last year the Saints were first place in this division at 13-3. and three. And everyone else was under 500. The Falcons were seven and nine. The Bucks were seven and nine, and the Panthers were five and eleven. Matt, do you have the Saints repeating as division champs? Yes. Me too. Don't this me. one, this one, to me was tricky because I've always liked the NFC South. Mm-hmm. Even though I keep forgetting these teams are in the South, I don't know why I keep thinking Atlanta's in the AFC conference, but I always get surprised when I look at the and I go, oh, that's right, Atlanta's in the NFC. That's um, a great uh, thing to know about your second favorite team. I don't know why. And it's funny how both my favorite teams are in the NFC, which is why I keep thinking Atlanta's not, because I'm like, oh, I like a team in the AFC. And it's like, no, you don't. <laughs> um, but I think, I think, uh, I think we should see maybe about the same standings. Maybe we'll see the Bucks take second, and I think yeah. we'll see Atlanta's record maybe flip, but I don't know what to think of Carolina right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. Carolina goes 8-8, eight and eight, but I think the Bucks have a lot of weapons. It's just a matter of adjusting to a new system. But I definitely yeah. think they're the team to give New Orleans a run for this division, and absolutely they're going to make the postseason. I mean, Tom Brady's under center. Yeah, there's no way they're not uh, making the postseason, like you said. I think they'll be like 10-6, and 11-5-ish. Not good enough to win the division, but good enough for the, a wild card spot. Absolutely. Uh, let me see. In, in terms of the Panthers, did you realize that Luke Keekley retired this past offseason? Wait, what? No. Their middle linebacker. They're only like linebacker? They're- their only linebacker retired. I, I know no one else on that defensive side of the football. Right. And even with him last year, the Panthers keep, are the second keep, worst. Keep what? buying me time because I'm pulling up the Panthers depth chart. So keep talking. Okay. I'm trying if you could stop interrupting me. Well, no, that's how I help you buy time. Remember? <laughs> I'm not the one who needs to buy time here. <laughs> Shut up. Anyway, the, I'm cutting all of this. Anyway, the, the Panthers, even with Keekly, were the second worst defense in the league last year. And it's going to be even worse without him. Yeah, I know none of these players. Kawan Short, I recognize. Jack Thompson's actually a really good player. Eli Apple, he's still around. I mean, I loved him in New York. In New York, but I haven't heard much of him since. Because, well, he was on the, he was on the Saints last year. I think he was, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm... Anyway. I didn't even look at their second, like second tier. Yeah, they've got a few rookies that are projected to be starters, which is Jeremy Chen at strong safety, nose tackle, Derek Brown. Uh-huh. Um, backup right outside linebacker is going to be Kiava Tanizo. Um, All right. As, but- as fun as it is to hear you reading their whole roster, I, I think we are in agreement here and we can probably move on. You think we can move on to read the roster? Oh, boy. All right, let's go. Tell me about the East. Okay. Well, in the East last year, you had the Eagles on top at 9-7. and seven. Cowboys right behind them at 8-8. Eight and eight. And then the Giants and the Washington football team won a combined seven games between them. The Giants <laughs> at 4-12. and 12. 
Washington at three and thirteen. So they lost a combined twenty-five games. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh, it really came down to the wire between Dallas and Philly last year. I think it was finally the week seventeen games that broke the tie when Eagles got the win, Cowboys lost, and Eagles snuck into the playoffs. Um, however, I am projecting a different division winner this year. How about you? Um, might we be agreeing on something? I assume neither of us is picking New York or Washington. So yes. Um, shows what you know. I have Washington to win it all. Boom. That's a hot take. Put a dollar on that cash. Another dollar. Oh <laughs> uh, yes. I think we're both taking Dallas to win it. And we Dallas probably- is my NFC sleeper pick. <gasps> wow. Okay. I guess, I guess that counts as a sleeper they didn't make the playoffs last year sure 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 go ahead well because it it comes back down to the philly versus dallas debate again i mean neither team was a clear-cut winner but but philly had a ton of offensive injuries yeah keep that in mind their record doesn't really reflect the uphill slog that they had to go through to get to nine and seven versus dallas had all the pieces there but just couldn't capitalize on it. When they won, they won by a landslide. But when they lost, it was like you couldn't tell who was on the field. They didn't look like a Dallas offense that had Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper, you know, Michael Gallup, Ezekiel Elliott, a top offensive, one of the top O-lines in the league, not to mention a loaded defense. And those are all the same counterpoints to why I think they're a sleeper because everyone's going to take Philly being healthy again. Dak didn't take the contract he was offered. He's betting on himself. There's a new coaching change. Jason Garrett, gone. Like the guy. He's coordinating the offense in New York now with the Giants. Our old buddy, Mike McCarthy, is now heading up that. Yeah. Kellen Moore is taking over offensive play calling, who uses a Coriel offense, which is a vertical stretch that utilizes seam routes and receiving tight ends. Blake Jarwin's role goes up. They took C.D. Lamb, one of the most exciting wide receivers in the draft. Zeke should be back to his old self with his receiving capabilities. They got John Fossil as their special teams coordinator with their trick points and Zerloin as their kicker. Now let's flip over to the defense. Demarcus Lawrence, Sean Lee when he's healthy, Leighton Vanderesh, Xavier Rhodes, HaHa Clinton-Dix, Jalen Smith. I mean, what's not to like about this setup? Yeah, I mean, you're not going to hear me argue against anything that you said. I I don't see how this offense doesn't score, like, 40 points a game. That's why, like, last year they fought, but they've missed the postseason again and have always lost in the first round. Mm-hmm. And I think it's not so much a sleeper pick as they have the shot right now for not only Dak to get big money, but for this team to make a good push, a Cardinals-type push into the postseason. Cardinals type push. That's an interesting uh, comparison. Well, that's going back to one of our favorite shows, All or Nothing. Ah. Uh, See, I was trying to harken it back to you know to something we liked. You know what? Oh, no, right, it, right, it worked. Right. In, it worked in my head. Okay. <laughs> cool. Well, I I agree with everything you said about Dallas, and I also have them winning the division. But honestly, the more I looked at the Eagles and their offensive moves, the more I almost questioned that because uh, they look good on paper. Obviously, you mentioned the, the depth being tested last year, and, and honestly, that's already happening to them on offense uh, because their starting receivers in Philly are going to be a 34-year-old Deshaun Jackson and their 2020 first-round pick, a rookie, Jalen Ragor. 
So Alshon Jeffrey is expected to start the season on pup. He is, is injured. Like, you know, not to be negative, but like always, uh, they brought in Marquise Goodwin from 49ers to try to shore up at some depth, but he's opted out for the 2020 season. He disappointed me last year in fantasy. I picked him up on waiver wires and then I threw him back to the wolves. And he's always been uh, like a speed guy, but hasn't been able to really stick anywhere. He's speeding his way to the couch. It's <laughs> good. Uh, and then behind them, they've got a bunch of, uh, you know, more rookies and players who haven't really proven themselves yet. So this receiving core is already proving thin. And then, of course, you've got Carson Wentz, the signal caller. I don't want to use the injury prone label yet, but I will just say. I will. I'll happily throw that on him. I'll just say he's gotten hurt a lot. Um, Since his, after his rookie year, yeah. But they've got a, two really dynamic running backs, Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, the 10th best offensive line, and an amazing tight end duo with Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. <laughs> Dallas, I just realized. That's funny. <laughs> Laugh. <laughs> anyway, that's it. I think Philly's going to be good again, too, and I, and I do think it's going to come down to these two teams uh, coming down to the wire again, just like this past season. And I don't think we need to really talk about the Giants or Washington. I think the Giants are going to bounce back a little bit. Yeah, I they'll be. I think they could get close to five hundred, but uh, not going to be pushing for a playoff spot. Washington is just going to be interesting to follow all the changes and everything going on. They're just like a news team, is what it is. Like, what's happening this week? What's going right. on this week? I mean, well, they're rebuilding everything, starting with their team name. So I I don't want to. I'm not faulting Washington for the bottom of the division because of everything they're going through. It's almost exciting to see what's this going to lead to. What is the yeah. new Rivera yes. going to be? I stole that right from their Twitter page. What is the new Rivera going to be? I don't know. Oh, Era. Okay, sorry. I'm a, Rivera. We're recording this very late at night because my kids wouldn't go to bed. I haven't gone to bed yet. You can't tell me what to do. <laughs> it's past your bedtime, mister. <laughs> yeah right anyway uh so let's wrap this up we got one more division here the nfc west uh-huh last year the 49ers finished in first place at 13 and 3 seahawks two games behind at 11 and 5 the la rams two games behind them at 9 and 7 and then the cardinals brought up the rear at 5 and 10 and won they must have <laughs> and in this division i'm going to say this right now i think all four of these teams have a shot at making the playoffs uh, that said, I feel good about three of those teams. Which three? Or which is the one that you don't? I might have a feeling I'm about to set myself up. <laughs> no, I'm just curious. I just asked you a question. Arizona is the only one who I think is one year away from from really giving them a push. I think they're going to be a, a contender, but I don't think they're going to win the division just yet, given the experience these other teams have. Hmm. Okay, I agree with not winning the division. However, Arizona is my sleeper pick to make the playoffs this year. Oh. I, and I think this division is going to send three teams to the playoffs. The 49ers as the number one or two seed. Hawks. And Seahawks and Cardinals will both make it as well. Interesting. Uh, so I guess I could talk about the Cardinals really quick. That would be your divisional pick, so I would hope so. They are my playoff sleeper in the NFC. So, yeah, they were 5-10-1 and one last year. Not great, but they had some rookies who I think showed a lot in just their first season in 
Kyler Murray, I think he was the number one overall pick, and then uh, wide receiver Christian Kirk, and both of those guys were very productive as rookies. And then, of course, this offseason, you had the blockbuster trade in where they acquired DeAndre Hopkins. Blockbuster. From the Houston Texans, arguably a top three receiver in the league, I'd say safely. He joins Larry Fitzgerald, who is, of course, a living legend, living and still playing football. And Christian Yeah, right. If you look at his rookie year to now, like, other than maybe his hair got longer, is there any difference? I don't think so. Maybe he looks a little sadder, but. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, he's still there and still playing at a decently high level, enough to help this football team. And Kyler Murray had a lot of big moments as a rookie, and I think he gained a lot of super valuable experience and now adds one of the best receivers in all of football to his um, weapons in the passing game. Yeah, Cooper Cup's going to nail it. The running game also really clicked late in the season when they traded. We're just going to ignore that. That's fine. I thought that was genius. Say again? I didn't get it. No, talk about the run game in Arizona. All right, Kenyon Drake came in at the end of the season or towards the end of the season and was uh, very productive. I think that's a lot of the reason they felt comfortable letting David Johnson a big loss for Miami. Yeah, it is. Uh, They they don't really have anyone anymore, but they didn't utilize him properly. They even in the NFL. Another guy who got lost in the the Adam Gase years, Uh, but he escaped. He's He's with Cliff Kingsbury now. Hey, you remembered. Yeah, I learned something from last week. Now, so I'm expecting this offense to be dynamic because Kyler can run too. However, on defense, I think they do have some questions. They gave up the big interruption. They gave up the most yards per game in the whole league uh, last year. But they have some veterans coming back like Patrick Peterson, who I mentioned as an NFC uh, prove-it player. Uh, They've got Chandler Jones, a veteran linebacker, who spent a lot of time in New England. Uh, Corey Peters. So a, a couple of veterans to captain this defense and kind of help bring the young guys up a bit. And speaking of young guys, they drafted Isaiah Simmons with the eighth pick in this past in this year's draft. And he's kind of he's kind of one of those hybrid linebacker safety guys who who plays a lot of different positions on the field that they're uh, they think they can use they can deploy him at any level. So there's some pieces here on defense. Paired with what I think is going to be one of the definitely one of the best offenses in the league, I think they can do it. That's but bold. Is it? We'll see. It's going to be a good offense. I don't know if it'd be up there with one of the best. Well, let's let's, not, let's keep uh, in mind. Keep in mind, there's not much in terms of a training or preseason. Yeah. So these guys are being ramped up to speed, and while Hopkins is good, you're talking Cliff Kingsbury system, not the Bill O'Brien system. Murray has a, a similar but altered skill set as compared to Deshaun Watson. And Kenyon Drake, when he came over, did really well. But the question is, even though they clearly cut David Johnson and signed him, what's his performance going to be like? Everyone thought David Johnson was going to be the next, you know, shining star until he got hurt. Yeah, I mean, I can't argue with that. At least they're going to be good, but given this division a run for its money or – even even scoring a uh, a uh, wild card spot, I mean, I think they're almost there, but I think they need a year of working together before I would put them in the wild card position. 
That makes sense. That is fair. Maybe I'm just looking at this team on paper too much, but I'm really liking what I'm seeing there. And I, and I think the Rams are going to regress. I think they'll take a step back. Really? Huh? Your analysis intrigues me. Well, I've got a few notes on that too. Just getting back into the rest of the division. You say that you think the Rams are going to dip from nine and seven. What are they going to break even? Uh, no, I'd take them under 500. The offense already regressed. I would say for them in a, in a big way last year, Goff looked like he took a step back. I don't know why. I can't really explain it. Besides that, the I think the biggest thing that happened was potentially the offensive line was one of the best in two years ago in 2018. But for whatever reason, they just really regressed last year. They did lose a couple pieces and were counting on some young guys that maybe didn't pan out yet, at least. Um, they've still got Andrew Whitworth. He's their best uh, their best player on that line, but he's going to be 39 this year. And they're they're definitely, uh, I guess, like I said, they're counting on some young guys to improve. I they still Brandon Cooks and Todd Gurley this off season. They've got four running backs that uh, Sean McVay says will all be in the mix. So they don't really have like they don't really know. I would say who they're who is going to be the identity of that running game. I guess. And uh, I'll let you go next. I have one more thing. The defense they have some stars. You're, no you question about you that. presume a lot that I have something to say, but keep talking because Chrome decided it wanted to freeze. Of course, they have Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, some of the, and they're both some of the best in the league at their positions. But outside of them, there's not a whole lot on this defense. So uh, keep talking. Uh, yeah, I'm done. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I'm waiting for Google to not be a jerk. Yep. Yeah, uh, I don't know what is this. Anyway. I think the entire division is going to finish above 500. I, I think the whole division is going to stay as is. Well, not as is in terms of standings, but I think they'll all be above 500. Um, may the Rams bring up the rear of the division? That's a potential, depending on how far Murray and the Arizona offense clicks. But here we go. I got it up. Um, Austin Corbett. Oh, that was actually a good acquisition from Cleveland at left guard. So that left side of that line is actually pretty good. Tyler Higby, um, but I agree. I think, I don't know, Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson, and Malcolm Brown are their three running backs. And I'm wondering if Akers is right. I wonder if Akers is going to get that. But they have Michael Brockers, Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd. Like this defense is much better than it on at least on paper than I think you're giving it credit for. That Leonard Floyd, Jalen Ramsey. Uh, well, Floyd is you know he came from Chicago, so I actually know a little bit more about him than the average NFL player. Uh, but there's you know they let him go after the four years. There's a reason. Even paired with Khalil Mack on the other side, Floyd just couldn't be an impact player for them. And you know it maybe it's be, those... I mean it, it's hard to say though because it could be scheme usage. Sure, that's that's fair. I don't I don't know. I didn't do that depth level of research. Um, you got Robert Woods and Cooper Cup and Josh Reynolds as their as their main receiving core with a handful of rookies. So I mean, you could argue there's a little bit there, but I think Tyler Higby's going to have a good year. He's solid and reliable. Cooper Cup I think is pretty underrated as a receiver. I think a lot of people count him out, but his rapport with with Jared Goff is is really good. Gerald Everett is the opposite of Tyler Higby, so they actually got two decent tight ends. I think the only question mark is going to be at that running back position. Yeah, running back and offensive line, I'll still say. Yeah, I don't know much about Austin Blythe. He came from Indy. Rob Havenstein. 
and Brian Allen. I feel like I that name is familiar, but I'm not placing it. I mean, we all know who Andrew Whitworth is. He's been in the league longer than some people have been watching football. Uh-huh. I get your points, but I still think this team under Sean McVay, Sean McVay is not going to let them go under 500. Yeah, we'll we'll see. He certainly seemed like uh, the first several years one of the new innovators. I mean, the they NFL. have a new defensive coordinator too under Brandon Stanley. So maybe that'll help. I don't. Yeah, I don't know his background, but the the defense uh, is is definitely performing as less than the sum of its parts. I would say because they do have some amazing players on that defense. That that surprised me, but I'm, I'm happy. I'm not overly upset when the only questionable pick you had was the Chargers, as we discussed. Okay. I mean, I I feel like picking Dallas as a sleeper is kind of cheating, but I'll let you I'll let you have it. <laughs> so, Did they make the playoffs last year? No, they didn't, and that was their only criteria. Did they make the playoffs the year before? I don't know. Have they won any but one playoff game under Jason Garrett? And how many playoff games under Jason Garrett has the Dallas Cowboys been to? Uh, I only remember a few off the top of my head. I remember the yeah, I think we can count them on one hand. <laughs> and I think, I think as like Philly's already piling up injuries, I think everybody had Philly winning it and going, and you know, just like it played out last year. But everyone is hyping up the Giants right now. See, now that would be a sleeper. Uh, I, I feel like they're on the same level as Arizona. They're not there yet, but they're Ooh. getting there. Yeah, I think you have better odds in the I, NFC. There's no way Denver's making the playoffs. I'm sorry. Over the Chargers, we'll see. We'll see. We'll we see. will see, and one of us is going to eat Jello. I'm excited. You, you want to know who my original NFC sleeper pick was before I did Dallas? Sure. I actually had Atlanta down. Okay. That would have been interesting, too. And that was before they got Gurley. And mm-hmm. then when they got Gurley, I'm like, man, if he's even 40% of what he once was, that's easy, yeah. like, easy at least a wild card win. <laughs> All right, well, cool. This was fun. I think there are things about half and half, right, between divisions we project to have the same winner and ones where we picked someone new to take over. So, Did you pick to win the NFC West? 49ers. Okay, yeah, okay. Actually, I think we agreed on most of them. Green Bay, Saints, Cowboys, 49ers, Kansas City, Buffalo, and Baltimore. The only one we disagreed on was the AFC Uh, South. Yep. Cool. So we're we're either going to be mostly right or mostly wrong together. Well, live and die. Right, brother? (laughs) Yep. And I think that's it, right? That's all we got for this episode. I think that's it. I got to go... I got to go decide what jello flavor you're going to eat. <laughs> Send me the list so I can start thinking about what jello flavor you're going to eat. How about that company? Uh, that picture is posted. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. All the boxes. Right. Because when I went to the store, I'd explain to my mother when I went to go see her and we went grocery shopping why I needed 15 boxes of jello. <laughs> We're start making like, more bets then. Well, we really haven't disagreed much up until this point. True. Yeah, as we get into the season, we'll do more like one week bets so that they pay out sooner. Because <laughs> I don't want to wait to the end of the season to, for, you know, 10 plates of jello each. <laughs> oh, that would be <laughs> terrible. Oh, that would be awful. I was going to say you could do one plate for 10 seconds, but I don't want either one of us to drown in jello. Really don't want that written on my tombstone. 
He drowned in a plate of jello. For being stupid. <laughs> I think if you I think if you drown in a plate of jello, it's a given at that point that you did something stupid. <laughs> I think you're presumptuating quite a bit. But anyway, thank you guys for once again putting up with our shenanigans. Mike, thank you. Yep. It's been a pleasure. Um, this is this was the thing I think we were building up to this whole time. After this, it's all downhill. But uh, we're keeping our fingers crossed. Uh, breaking news for those who didn't know, two Pac-12 and the Big Ten both canceled college seasons. Yeah, that's a big story. And now we're just waiting to see if the ACC and SCC do the same thing. Yep. Although I did hear one of my favorite other podcasts, whose names will not be named, refer to the explain that the ACC would play through three alien invasions and two nuclear holocausts. So the odds are probably that they're going to fight to have a season. But my only hope is that these decisions are being made with safety in mind and not finances. Wait a sec. Did you say you listen to other podcasts? Uh, well, is this episode up and loaded yet? It is not as we currently speak. So, like, what do you want me to do, Mike? What do you want me to do? Practice gargling jello? <laughs> that would be one good use of your time. The other would be to just listen to the episodes we've already put out there on repeat and hear all um, your mistakes and then do better. I have listened to them every day that they're launched. Every Wednesday morning on my way to work is when I listen to the 2M Football Podcast. Nice. However, I will not be taking our fantasy advice relatively soon, so I need some outlet for that. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. I think we've rambled enough for, for this week. For this week. Till next week. Right. Talk to you later. Bye, Mike. Bye, Matt. We hope you enjoy listening to this episode of the 2M Football Show with Mike and Matt. Please subscribe to be aware of our future podcasts. Follow us at social media at 2M Football Show. If you feel like donating to help out the show, follow us and check out our Patreon. We'll see you in the next episode.